They can't do it without a team. A league-leading scorer has never been on the team that wins the NBA championship with the Celtics. Are you understanding me? They didn't have it, but they had a team. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not trying to promote the Celtics. I know we're in Maverick com, 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 Company. I almost got shook up there a little bit, I thought maybe. But uh, I understand what it takes to win, amen? And I know we want to win the loss. We want to win the world, amen? And that's how we win championships with God. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor, thank you uh, for allowing me to be here. I appreciate you and your wife. I I love to be around uh, um, uh, Pastor Mike so much. You know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. And so uh, I get sharper when I'm around Pastor Mike Benson. He came, uh, uh, our last missions banquet we had in Tulsa, he came and and spoke and helped us raise funds. And we were able to raise uh, about twice as much as we raised the year before. I should have had another one and invited you back. This year I just didn't have one. So, But uh, he did a wonderful job and I just appreciate him so much. And, you know, it's not... Uh, Uh, it's not everywhere you have somebody that cares for the world uh, like you do here, and I know it's to be commended. Praise God. I want to mention in the foyer, we do have some things available. We have, uh, why don't we have the lovely couple here on the front row stand up? Come on. You're my spokesmodels. All right, turn around. Show everybody your shirts. All right. He's got the whatever with, you know, whatsoever's just, pure, lovely, think on these things. And she has, uh, don't underestimate me, God is on my side, amen. So pick those up. Uh, We have them in sizes, medium kids, all the way to three extra large. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Satan, get behind me in the name of Jesus. I got the microphone, man. Uh, But anyway, uh, those are available out there. I have brought a couple of CDs up here, Never Too Dead for Resurrection. Uh, If you want to hear about our testimony about, well, this is really about Lazarus, but I talk about how the Lord uh, uh, brought me up and uh, and brought healing into my life, born with a cleft palate. Doctors told me I would never, or told my parents really, that I would never talk correctly or hear without having some kind of hearing apparatus. I know I'm healed by the power of God. I may talk like an oaky, but that's, that's not God's fault. <laughs> All right, and then another one. This morning preached about heaven. If you want the anti-heaven message, I got deal or no deal. It's really about hell, so you can take both of them and you can take your pick. I don't want anybody to go to hell, and uh, I want everybody to go to heaven. I try to be strong about uh, uh, things because I, I'd rather err on that side, amen, and just be sure that you're ready to meet God, and uh, that's what I believe. So uh, pick some of that stuff up. It's uh, available out there. We'll be out there after service. Praise God. Well, stand with me, if you will. I want you to turn to the book of John, the 16th chapter. John chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus told the disciples, He said, How be it when the Spirit of truth is come? How many know He's come? He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. And He will show you things to come. Everybody say, He will guide me, and He will show me things to come. Do you believe that? Praise God. Let's pray over the Word. Father God, thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the anointing again. uh, We are asking for great things, Lord. uh, Greater than what man can get credit for, but let Jesus be glorified that all men might uh, uh, be drawn to Him. And Lord, let there be no hindrance to the Word of God. We bring every thought into captivity. For the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Lord, uh, I pray that you would let us hear what we need in this hour, in this time, uh, in our country, and in our life, and in our family, that we need you more than ever before. We thank you, Lord, for great things in your name. And everybody said... Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. I want to say tonight, 
that what I'm talking about is not a shortcut. How many know there are people that want to get a shortcut to everything? You know, uh, uh, you know, get rich quick and, you know, do all these things. But usually get rich quick is spelled W-O-R-K for a long time. I, I know I'm not hearing anybody shout now, but... but It's not a shortcut, but I want to talk to you a little bit about how to get your appointed place quicker and faster. And it's not a shortcut, though. Are you hearing me? We try at times to take shortcuts, and we usually end up having to go back and fix that, which we try to make a shortcut. But uh, in this world today, we have uh, substituted... Psychics and fortune tellers for the Holy Spirit. And I know that not everywhere, but in many places, uh, we have people that have gone to fortune tellers and psychics and they want to know about the future. And I believe it's because the church, we have been uh, a little bit lax on this and we have been a little bit afraid because some people have gone a little bit over here too far. But I believe we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, He will guide you. And He will show you things to come. Now, we're concerned about tomorrow. Everybody's concerned about tomorrow. With what is going on in the world, we're seeing an upheaval in the world. We're seeing uh, the thing going on in Greece. We're seeing uh, Thailand having uh, rioting in the streets. And uh, we have a little bit of a mess in America. Are you understanding me? I'm not trying to say it cannot be fixed, but I know that uh, uh, we are concerned about tomorrow and we need the Holy Spirit to guide us through life, not only uh, in world events, but personally, we need Him to guide us through life. Now, I know that uh, I have had times in my life that the Holy Spirit has been very clear to show me things to come. Now, I don't walk around and have a little voice in my ear all the time. As an evangelist, you may think that, you know, I'm hearing uh, like I got a direct thing going on every minute, you know, like the somebody's talking up their sleeve like the CIA's in the back or the, you know, the secret service or whatever. But I'm going to tell you, we can be linked to God by the Holy Spirit and He will show us things to come and He will uh, tell us, uh, uh, guide us through today and tomorrow and the future. Do we believe that? I was in uh, uh, Pakistan in 1998 and before I went, the Holy Spirit spoke to me that I was to leave one day early. Now, you might think that doesn't mean anything, but it was at a time when uh, uh, President Clinton was in office and he sent our Air Force in to bomb bin Laden's training camp. And I was only 25 to 30 kilometers away from that area. I thank God that I left one day early. Amen. How many know the Holy Spirit will show you things to come? I changed my ticket to come back early. I remember another time in Guatemala, we were in a place called Paten, uh, and it's a beautiful area there, and uh, uh, I was ready to preach at 5 o'clock. Our service didn't start till 7, but I was ready at 5, and I'm in a real little bitty room, and uh, I, I'm pacing back and forth in the room, but it was more like this, you know? Little bitty room. Whatever. Because I was ready to go. I mean, I was so excited about this crusade. And, and uh, we'd had a great night the night before. We'd had miracles and healings take place. And I, I just couldn't wait to get there. But when the bus came for our group uh, at 6 o'clock, I, I just said uh, something in the inside said, don't go now. Folks, how many know you ought to obey the leading of the Spirit? And uh, instead of going, uh, although I'd been ready already an hour, I said, I'm going to come later. And I said, I think I'm going to come about 8 o'clock. You know, they'd have an hour of praise and worship in Spanish, and I don't do that very good. You know, I can kind of, if we put it on the screen, I can follow along and sing gringo Spanish. But other than that, I'm in trouble. And so I said, I'm going to stay back here and pray. The group went ahead and, uh, and went. And uh, I said, I'll get a taxi. Don't worry about me. And they, I said, somebody write down the name of the, the, uh, of the Colosseum that we were at, just in case uh, uh, I forget. And I went to get a taxi, although they were there all day long. There wasn't one 
when I went out at 8 o'clock. I couldn't find one. And I went back in the hotel. They called a guy, and he came to pick me up. And, and when I got out there to tell him where to go, uh, uh, he couldn't understand my Spanish. And I didn't understand his Spanish. And, and uh, I held him uh, out the piece of paper with the name of the Coliseum, and he couldn't read or write. <laughs> And so finally I got there, but it was about 8.30. And when I got there, the crowd, it was basically, uh, uh, it had sides on this stadium, but it was open on both ends, and the crowd had overrun the street. It was huge, and I was just excited. We couldn't pull up far enough, and when we got there, my interpreter was there. He said, something's happened. It's terrible, but I'll wait to tell you until after you preach. You know, how's that going to work for you? Didn't work too good for me. I said, no, we're, I'm not preaching until you tell me what has happened. You know, uh, I'd rather him just not even told me, you know. That's like coming to the pastor right before church and saying, oh, pastor, you know, I've had this, this, and this. And he's getting ready to preach, and he, now he's got all your stuff on him. You know, wait till, wait till after church. Come on, this will help somebody. If you want, you know, you want the pastor not to blow you off, wait till after service. Because, you know, he's got to minister to everybody. Okay, whatever. I better stop there. But I'm not trying to say we, we don't have feelings to what you're going through. But, you know, sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do. So here he tells me, he said, well... We were having uh, praise and worship. We had uh, ushers all over the field, kind of spread out, you know, all through there. And, and a man was shaking, violently shaking and crying. And one of the ushers went over and said, Sir, may I pray with you? May I help you? And he's, he, he's shaking. What's wrong, sir? And uh, uh, the man said, I, I came with a gun to kill the evangelist. I have orders to kill the evangelist. Now, this is a pretty peaceful place. That tells you you need the power of the Spirit all the time. He said, I came with orders to kill the evangelist. I have a gun, but he said, I cannot move. The Holy Ghost arrested him. Now, you say, what would have happened if I'd have got there earlier? I don't know, but I thank God that I stayed and prayed. We need to be careful to be led by the Holy Spirit. And this isn't just for the evangelist. The Holy Spirit will help us in life. It's not just for the pastor, not for the deacon, but for the church and you. We need the Holy Spirit to, uh, to help guide us and show us things to come. Now, I want to remember in Matthew chapter 3, we can maybe look there, but in Matthew Matthew 3, uh, it talks about Jesus being baptized. He was baptized in water. Uh, he came to John, and John, you know, said, Hey, you need to be baptizing me. And they go through this little rigmarole for a little bit. And finally, he says, John, it's imperative that you baptize me. Now, we see here in verse 17, And Jesus, when He was baptized, went up uh, straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto Him, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is My beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Now, he, at this point, is the point of his baptism. Are you understanding me? Now, we understand that he was baptized in water, but now the Spirit of God came upon him as well. Now, when we go from here, we go over to Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. We go to Luke 4 and 1. It said, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, if Jesus need to be led by the Spirit, how much more you and I need to be led by the Spirit? He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and the Bible says uh, He was tempted of the devil. We know that He said to the devil, it is written, it is written, it is said. But then we read Luke 4 and 14, the Word of God says in Luke 4 and 14, that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of Him throughout all the region round about. Now, so he's hooked up with the Holy Ghost before, he's led by the Spirit in the wilderness, and he comes out and he's still here in the power of the Spirit. He goes into Galilee, and then we get down to Luke 4 and 18, and he preaches this message. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, 
He went through some things, but he continued to be led by the Spirit, and he's now anointed. Are you understanding me? He declares, I am anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, I want us to go over uh, to Luke 4 and 28 now. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. This is where his trouble begins. When he tells them, I'm there to get you free. You know, a lot of people like to be bound better than they like to be free. You know, some of your dope-smoking buddies liked you better when you were a dope-smoker. Some of your alcoholic friends liked you better when you were bound by alcohol like them. When you got free, you became a threat to them. Some of your families liked you better before the anointing came upon you. Now you get around them at holidays and they think that something's wrong with you, but it is the anointing that is bringing conviction to their life. Conviction's a good thing. You know, when uh, somebody gets a little upset with you, just chalk it up to conviction. You know, don't be, a, don't be rude and ugly to people. But if you didn't do anything, just say, hey, well, whatever. Conviction. All right, here we go. All they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him under the brow of the hill wherein the city uh, was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he passing through the midst of them went his way. Now, that's interesting. He's the one they're trying to kill, and he goes right through the middle of them. Like they don't recognize him? It only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him, and yet he was able to pass through the midst of them. Now, go with me uh, over to John 11. We remember Lazarus. Okay, Lazarus, word comes to Jesus that the one that he loves is sick. We find the sisters said that the one you loved is sick, so evidently, Jesus loved Lazarus. Even later, the Jews said, you know, that the one you loved. So there's proof that Jesus loved Lazarus. Okay? Other people noticed it. You know, usually you can tell. You know, if your wife says she loves you and loves you and loves you and nobody else thinks she does, she probably doesn't. (laughs) This isn't a marriage seminar, by the way. I don't know where I was going with that. But there was proof that he loved Lazarus, and yet he knew he was sick, and he waited two days. Now, he waits two days in the same place. Now, why did he wait two days? Because you remember the people that wanted to throw him over the cliff? They knew they wanted, now they want to stone him because uh, he had said that he was God. All right? Are you understanding me? And saying that you were God according to Levitical law could get you stoned. Are you hearing me? Are, are all you understanding what stone means? Rocks thrown at you in a mean manner till you die. You got to make sure, you know. We got people that may be in some recovery and not understanding. All right. But he waits two days because it was hard for him to wait. Now, you understand there are times we we are are led by the Spirit. And we do something, and here it is affecting somebody that we love. But he's led by the Spirit. Because he knows if he goes then, by the Spirit of God, he knows if he goes then, he's getting ready to die, and if he dies, he can't help Lazarus at all. Are you understanding me? Because it wasn't the time for that to happen yet. Now, let's go over to John 8. I'm laying something out, and then I'm going to really preach here in a minute. John 8, verse 59. They took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, so passed by. Now, here he is again. These are unusual things. It's like he's invisible. All right? I'm not saying he was, but it's like he was. 
How does he pass through the middle of them? And they don't notice him. Are you hearing me? By the Spirit. Now, go to John 10 and 39. I want to just point out a couple of more things. Therefore, they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. They're mad as hornet that he has called himself God. They want to kill him, and yet by the Spirit, he is able, he's led of the Spirit, he's full of the Holy Ghost, he's anointed of God, and now the Holy Spirit is showing him things to come. Now, I believe, you and I, we say we're filled with the Spirit. We're anointed of God. You either have the unction of the Holy One, you are anointed, or you're not. We need to be led by the Spirit. In these days that we know what is to come, and we know when to go and when to stop. Now, go over to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verse 27. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. Now we have here that a man by the name of Agabus, here he stands up by the Spirit that there was getting ready to be famine. Alright, they're not going to have enough. Are you hearing me? There's going to be problems. Are you catching this? By the Spirit, he knew. Now now it goes from not only Jesus, but now it's Agabus. So it shouldn't just stop with Jesus. You know, everybody says, well that's Jesus. We have a tendency to do that at times. Now, go with me over to Acts uh, 16. Verse 7. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Now he was led by the Spirit to stop what he was doing. The Spirit told him to stop where not to go, and the Spirit told him where to go. See, in the last days, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Do we believe in the last day's outpouring or not? So we believe in the the power of the Holy Spirit. So he had a change of plans. And uh, I I believe he will help us, stop us from going to wrong places and get us in the right place. How many know that uh, in business, uh, people tell you to be in the right place at the right time? How much more those of us that are full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, anointed of God, ought to be at the right place at the right time? Are you hearing me? At the right place at the right time. God can get you at the right place to the right people at the right time. See, we have a tendency to think, if I can just rub enough shoulders and meet the right people, and uh, uh, the door will open. I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit can do more for you in a moment than you can get in a lifetime trying to reach the right people, trying to network. I believe in networking, but I'd rather network with the Holy Spirit. He knows who I should stay away from. There's been some times in our ministry God hooked us up with some people that I, it looked like it was going to be uh, the best thing that ever happened to our ministry. It was going to take us to a level we'd never been. And uh, we get there and we meet with some people. And I'm going to tell you, God just speaks to Lori and I, don't do it. And about a, uh, six months later, we find out the whole thing. It unravels. These people that were looked like they were God's gift to the world, they go haywire and mess up. You know what haywire is, don't you? That's a good country word. They go goofy. And if we'd have hooked up with them, everybody thought we were goofy too. So you need to watch out. You know, some things look good, but it may not be what God wants. Why, you know, I, I, I say, uh, you know, do what the Lord says, even if it looks crazy to someone else. Now, go with me to Romans 8. Romans 8 and verse 1. 
The book of Romans, the 8th chapter. Verse number 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now how many understand, when we talk about being led by the Spirit there, in the Greek, I am not a Greek scholar, but I can read people that are. It says to be gently led by the Spirit. See, some of us think we got to get drug around by the nap of our neck in order for God to speak to us. But, you know, in order for God to uh, uh, guide us anywhere, we must cooperate. I remember when my son was real little. You'd, you'd hold his hand like at the amusement park or something, but he didn't want you to hold his hand. He'd drop on the ground, you know, and you're still holding his hand. How many know that you can't really get him to go where you want him to go when you're dragging him through the amusement park? Because he's not cooperating. If we will cooperate with the Spirit, we will be led by the Spirit. Now, every day... We pray over our family. Every day, Lori and I pray. We pray together uh, almost every day. Sometimes because of time differences, it's a little goofy how we can get together like that. But I know she's praying and I'm praying. But January the 12th, I was in Miami, Florida, flying to Haiti, to Port-au-Prince. And that morning before I left, Lori prayed with me over the phone. She pled uh, the blood of Jesus over my mind, my body, my spirit. You know how many know when you plead the blood of Jesus, you're just saying, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. And then she began to quote Psalm 91, that we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And, uh, and uh, He is our refuge, our fortress, our God, and Him will we trust. She said that angels are keeping charge over you. And, uh, you know... She said something else. She said, well, a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. I got excited on the phone. I still get excited when I hear that. But we do that over our children every day. We do that every day. But January 12th, I get to Port-au-Prince. I get there very early. I'm with a pastor from Indiana, a friend of mine. And uh, we're there about 8.30 in the morning. I get there and... uh, my luggage did not arrive with me. Okay, well, that's not uh, very unusual in Haiti. The last time I was there in uh, November, I wore the same clothes for four days straight. When I was there in March with my whole family, uh, every one of us, we had eight suitcases that never came. I wore the same pants to preach six days straight and uh, should have burned those pants when I was done. <laughs> But because November I had gone, we were going to Port-au-Prince, but in the north part of Haiti is a town uh, called Capetian. If you've ever been on a Royal Caribbean cruise, I have not, but they do stop at a place called Labadee, not too far from there. they got a little private place there. I don't know what it looks like. I, I know it cannot look like the rest of Haiti. That's all i got to tell you. Or I would not think that was a good stop. Because, you know, cruise ship is different than a missions trip. Okay? If I go on a Royal Caribbean cruise, I don't expect it to be a missions trip. Are you understanding me? But I've never been, so I don't know. But Labadee's right there. I'm just trying to give you a place. It's right on the north coast. Capetian, second largest city in in Haiti. And uh, we're going there to preach at the largest church in the Caribbean. Now, you, that, that excites me. The largest church in the Caribbean is in Haiti. It's not in the Bahamas. It's not in, uh, you know, uh, uh, anywhere else. It's not in St. Thomas. It's not in, uh, it's not in Puerto Rico. Are you understanding? It is in Haiti. Now, every time I go there, I get my vision gets bigger. Because you know what? We use excuses in America, say, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough this, I don't have enough this, and yet here's a man that is a bishop of the church. He uh, got kicked out of his denomination 10 years ago for speaking in other tongues, and now he has the largest church in all of the Caribbean today. Uh, probably right now while we're having church, over 25,000 people are in attendance in that church. They have no roof. They sit on concrete, and if it rains, they sit in the rain. They do not run off. 
And when I go there, I say, what's my excuse for not doing something great for God? Are you hearing me? So we don't have any excuse not to do something great for God. So it expands me. I figure if God can do it for Him, He can do it for me. I'm going to do something great for God. So every time I go there, I get excited to go. But I decided to wait for my luggage. They said, we think it'll come in at the noon flight. Well, I went back to the airport at noon, picked up my bag. It was there. I said, praise the Lord. Thank God. Well, the way the airport is in in Haiti, it's one runway. And on one end is the international airport, which is no bigger than two foyers. (laughs) You know, it's not too big. And... uh, then on the other end, you, when you've got to take a national flight, you leave the international airport, drive through the neighborhood about five minutes through traffic, and on the other end of the same runway is the national airport. Okay? I'm just trying to give you an explanation. So we do that. We drive through town, get over there. We're going to take a 30-minute flight, takeoff and landing over the mountains. If we drove, it would take over five hours because the roads are horrendous, plus the mountains. So we decide to take our little 30-minute flight. They give us our boarding pass. It's January 12th. They say, uh, everything looks good. Uh, You'll be on the next flight. And we're sitting there, and the lady comes over and she says, Mr. Eccles, uh, I hate to tell you this, but all flights have been canceled to Capetian. All flights are canceled because there's 12 inches of water on the runway at Capetian, and we cannot land the plane. So I went, okay, no problem. So I called my friends in Capetian. I said, look, uh, we're going to have to spend the night here. And, he, and they say, well, look, we'll call. They called the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God. And they said, you're, you're going to preach here in Port-au-Prince tonight. So we thought, oh, this will be good. And uh, we don't have any friends in Port-au-Prince. We don't know anybody there. All of our interpreters, everybody we know is in the north. But uh, I have spent the night in Port-au-Prince many times, uh, even with uh, Chad Benson's church that went with me in August. We'd spent the night in Port-au-Prince a couple of nights, and we go uh, on our way uh, to the place we normally stay, is a place called Wall's Guest House. If you'll put up the first picture. Okay, that's the place we normally would stay at. It's a pretty nice place. It's like going to camp, though. There's no uh, air conditioning. You have a little fan in front of you, and you have maybe 10 people sleep in one room, you know, all the men sleep in one and all the women in another. But it's clean and has a big fence around it. It's safe. Safety's a big thing when you go in third world nations, you know. Stay where it's safe. You know, you can't win anybody to the Lord dead. I'd rather be a living evangelist than a dead martyr any day. Just thought I'd mention that. So we're, staying, we're going to this place. And as we're driving there, we're about two minutes away, I just feel in my spirit, do not stay there. Okay? Now, I've heard that voice before. How many understand, if you'll obey the leading of the Spirit in small things, when big things happen, you won't be so hard to obey. So I, I really didn't think it was that big a deal. I just told the taxi driver, I said, don't take us there, uh, take us to another hotel. And uh, I'd been to this other hotel, and he took us to another place called Visa Lodge. Well, we get there, and it's uh, in the afternoon, and we haven't ate anything, but uh, they had some food laying out, but it looked like it had been laying out quite a while, so we decided to wait till the next batch came out. And uh, we got the last room there, my friend and I, the pastor from Indiana, and there was one other guy that joined with us. He was a worker for Royal Caribbean, never been out of the country before, and when they canceled our flight, he goes, what am I going to do? I said, just come with us. You know, when you're out of the country, everybody that talks like you becomes your friend. So I say, just come with us. Now we get there, they only have one room left. One room with three beds. Now it's me, my friend, and a guy we don't know. I said, well, you can stay with us. All right? Now, you know, I don't suggest this in Arlington. Okay, don't, don't drive down the road and find somebody you don't know. Hey, come spend the night at our house tonight. You know? 
might get you in trouble. But so we go there. And remember in January, it had been so cold all across the, the whole United States. You know, global warming was going on early January. I'm going to get in trouble. I, I can't help but mess around a little bit. All right. So it was so cold that we decided, well, we got, you know, a few hours before this guy. He's supposed to come back and pick us up about 7 o'clock to go preach that night. That guy we don't know. And uh, I said, well, let's just put on some shorts. And this place had a pool. And it didn't look like I wanted to swim in it, but I didn't mind sitting by it. All right. And the weather was nice. I said, let's just sit down by the pool. So we're sitting down by the pool. I'm reading the T.L. Osborne book. We're just sitting there, just enjoying the sun, you know, for, and just, you know, enjoying the warm weather. And it's now about 4 o'clock. And at 4 o'clock, we get hungry again. And I, I, do we want to wait for them to bring out some fresh food? I said, you know what? I got an idea. Last time we were here... We found the Domino's in Port-au-Prince. An authentic Domino's. Now, I don't really like Domino's in America. But in Port-au-Prince, it's the awesome place to eat. You know, it's like uh, Ruth's Chris, you know, to me. Are you understanding me? And so they go, hey, that sounds good in there. We're making a decision whether we're going to have pepperoni or sausage. The ground began to shake. And we're sitting there. Ground shakes. The ground is doing this. Like a snake. Water comes out of the pool at least three foot high. Felt like an invisible monster was throwing us around. 35 seconds later, over. Just 35 seconds. You don't think that's very long. My kids said, that's not very long, Daddy. So I made them move around in the house while I looked at my watch for 35 seconds. They said, that's pretty long, Daddy. (laughs) Try it at home tonight. Don't do it in the altar, you know. We'll have to cast something out of you. Anyway. 35 seconds didn't seem like very long, but it was the longest 35 seconds. I'd never experienced anything like that before. We stood up, and immediately, all over the city, smoke was rising from like what you saw 9-11 or when the Oklahoma City bombing took place, when the buildings came down. Smoke was rising all over the city. Our hotel sat on a a, a ledge overlooking kind of the city, and uh, I will tell you, that all over that city, thousands of people were in the streets shouting, crying out, some with their hands up praising God, others were just screaming. It was an it was a awful sight, I'll never forget it. Now, why is it important to be led by the Spirit? Show the next slide. Remember that picture? That's what the place looked like that we were going to go to. That's Wall's guest house after the earthquake, 35 seconds later. Five people died, two Americans, two Canadians, one Haitian. Now, how many think it's important to be led by the Spirit? Where we stayed at Bisa Lodge, it was the only place in that city that didn't have substantial damage that was a hotel. How many know that God can get you at the right place at the right time? I believe we are living in perilous times. That's what the Bible says. Perilous times. And we need to be led by the Spirit, that He will show us things to come. Now, for the next hour, there was light. It was only light for about an hour. And immediately, we went out in the streets trying to help people. People had blood gushing out of their head, arms and limbs broke. You know what we found out? You can't help people with a Band-Aid. I'm not a doctor. They didn't, we'd ask people they want prayer. We didn't know the language. It wasn't working out too good. When chaos happens, it wasn't, they weren't looking for the preacher yet. All right? They weren't looking for the preacher yet. I had thousands of dollars in my pocket, literally, okay? Cash, not 
credit card, not. I had cash, thousands of dollars in my pocket to drill a water well. I made a decision. I, th- I, th- I was saying, well, we came here to drill a water well, but the immediate need is going to be water and food. Let's see if we can buy some. We could not buy food with our money. I had thousands of dollars. There wasn't anybody sell us anything, and if they had it, they were hoarding it. Now, you say, what am I talking about? Let's think about this. When the trumpet sounds and the shout goes up and the rapture takes place, Soon, the Antichrist is on the scene, and then people have to take the mark of the beast, 666, not necessarily the number 666, but the number of man, are you hearing me, in order to buy or sell. Now, that never made a lot of sense to me, but it does now. When chaos happens, and during the tribulation, we don't see any earthquake that is named except for ones like people got out of jail, you remember? And the house shook, but nobody got hurt. But when you hear about the tribulation, over and over at different places, people have, there are earthquakes, tsunamis, natural disasters, what people call acts of God. The wrath of Satan is poured out on the godly and the uh, wrath of God is poured out on the ungodly. And I'm telling you, this world goes messed up. And people like Tim LaHaye say up to 75% of the world's population could be dead in the first three and a half years of the tribulation by natural disaster alone. Hailstorm. One hailstone is the size of 120 pounds during the tribulation. I don't think I want to be here. But you understand, when chaos happens, your money is not going to be worth anything. You can see how easily the mark of the beast, the buying and selling, will have to be taken place by some one world type of government or some one uh, uh, system. Are you understanding me? You can take that or leave it. So we go back to the hotel. It's dark now. We stay in the parking lot all night. All night long, all I could think about is I wish it was an Oklahoma tornado. And you understand why? Because all night long, the ground shook. Tremors. So you didn't know if it was going to be a huge one. You're looking around to see what's going to fall on you. People are panicking. That night, people were coming to my pastor friend and I by the scores and asking, what are you two going to do? We don't even know these people. I think it was the peace of God. I, I, I will tell you that until uh, about 1 o'clock, I was all in my head. I don't know how to explain that. I would say carnal and flesh, but some people think carnal and flesh means sin. I was just all up here. Are you trying, you know, what, I, I'm taking it all in. And I'm not uh, actually, at this point, I'm not moving in the Spirit. I'm just moving up here. But I looked at my friend at 1 o'clock. I said, man, i got to get away. I said, I'm leaving for a while. I'm just going to go pray and walk. It's completely pitch dark out. No electricity. Can't see anything except a few fires from the earthquake. And I just began to pray in the Spirit for two hours. And I got some peace. Peace and joy comes through the Holy Ghost. I got back and they said, what are we going to do? I said, well, I'm going to wait till the morning. I find when you get in a hurry, you make bad decisions. I said, I'm waiting until it gets light, then I'll decide. In the morning, it gets light. A bunch of people had said, I don't know what you're going to do, but we're going to do whatever you two do. <laughs> we're now the leaders. I didn't sign up for that job. In the morning, I looked at all of them, I said, well... It's time to do a man job. They all, and some of them were ladies. They looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, well, we had a snake in the backyard. My son and I were out there. I said, go get the shovel, son. He said, why? I said, we're going to kill the snake. He said, I don't want to kill the snake. I said, sometimes you've got to do a man job, son. Are you understanding me? For all you snake activists, I'm sorry, we killed the snake. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I looked at them and said, it's time we got to do a man job. Everybody go get their luggage. Ours is on the third floor. Staircase is hanging off the wall. Crack up the wall, you know, you can see through on all four corners of our room. I said, let's go get our luggage. I never got my luggage so fast in all my life. <laughs> I got back down. I said, now what are we going to do? I said, we're going to try to go to the airport. I said, I want to go to, up to the north where I have friends. I can't, my phone's not working. Nothing's going through. Uh, up till 7, my phone was texting. I was able to get a text out and tell my wife I was okay. Then all of a sudden it quit working. Everybody in that whole complex, hundreds of people used my cell phone to make text. And you know what? Uh, I, I honor AT&T. They took off all, all that without even me asking. How many ever get AT&T to do anything without asking? <laughs> Sorry if you work for AT&T. I'm a loyal customer, by the way. So a van shows up. There was some pilots staying there, and they weren't going anywhere. They said, the van driver will take you to the airport. We get in, we go to the airport, on the way to the airport, five minutes away, we see at least 60 to 70 dead bodies on the side of the road. It's a sight I'll never forget. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. We get to the airport, the UN has finally showed up with their big tanks. They're not letting anybody in the international side. We go to the, the national airport. Computers are hanging out the window. There's, hard, there's nobody there. But one man shows up and says, I have a plane. I'll fly you to Dominican Republic. I said, well, how much? He said, well, you know, he said $300. I said, I'll take it. <laughs> People are going, I don't have 300 I said, we have it now. You can pay me back because we're all getting out of here. Are you understanding me? Well, turned out he couldn't. A man in a military uniform said, nobody's leaving. Nobody has stamped your passport. And I argued until I was blue in the face. I said, we crossed the border. I paid a guy 20 bucks to let somebody over that had no passport. And now you're telling me I can't leave the country? And I have a passport because somebody hadn't stamped it? You know, we're having this argument, and it's not working very good. He said, I'm not losing my job over this. I said, we've had an international disaster. Do you understand that? He didn't understand. A man pulls up. I met him in the parking lot the night before, a Christian man. In a pickup, a Suzu pickup, short bed. He said, look, I'll drive every one of you to Dominican Republic. I said, there's 12 of us. Five ladies got in the front with a baby. Six of us got in the back with luggage higher than the back of the truck. And we start driving out of town. When we start to drive out of town, a young man, 20, 21 years old, nice-looking young man, jumps in the back of our pickup with a shotgun. Okay, like what you'd see outside of a bank in, in, uh, in a foreign country or a mall, a security guard, you know. They all have their little short shotgun. He's in the back of our truck and smiling. <laughs> Remember, angels keep charge over you. I'm going to write a letter to the NRA. Now the angels carry shotguns. <laughs> I can't preach this in Connecticut or New York, but I can say this in Texas, you know. I'm just kidding. I just believe we had, we had nobody mess with. The streets were full of people, chaos everywhere. They didn't show, you know, they showed the chaos in Chile, but they didn't show it in Haiti because it was such a devastated country. They, they didn't, you know, CNN didn't show people robbing stores, taking stuff, looting. They did in Chile. I don't know why, but they didn't do it in Haiti. But it was going on. Things were happening. But I want to tell you, we drove seven hours. I sat on the tailgate of a, of a, a Suzu pickup on the bumpiest roads in the world and never was happier than... I had to sit on a pillow with a little uh, hole in the middle of it for about two months afterwards, but I'm recovering. I'm kidding. I was never so glad. I could have, we went to eat that night in Dominican Republic. I could have stood up to eat. <laughs> Would have felt better. <laughs> but I want to say something. I believe the Spirit will lead you. Yes. Now let me show you some other pictures here. We're almost done, okay? I'm going to, we're going to, that's still the place where we were staying at. Let's go to the next one. 
Here's the largest church in, in the Caribbean. That's a 6 a.m. service on Wednesday morning. 6 a.m. Go to the next one. Uh, that was preaching there uh, on a Wednesday afternoon, I think. But I wore those pants and shirt the whole week. So go on to the next one. They're just praising God. They love the Lord. Thousands of people coming to Christ. Come on. Keep going. Now, that's a picture right next door to the biggest church in the Caribbean. That's just a garbage pile. It's all over the country. It's a pitiful place. We should go on a little bit more. That's us. We finally were able to dig a water well there. That's the bishop right there, the little man with the hat on. Go on to the next one. It was real rainy and muddy, but go on. Keep going a little bit. That's the well capped off. There's water coming out. That's the one I really like. Go on a little bit more. There's Lori and I. She's looking kind of holy there. <laughs> there. We're digging another well in another spot. Go on a little bit more. Uh, there's, that one's got a hand well. Now, we were able to feed thousands of children. Many of these were refugees that had come from Port-au-Prince up to the north. They told people if they could get out, get out. Go to the next slide there. There's Lori feeding people. Sally feeding people, Lily feeding people. Keep going. Just stop right there. That's one of the little boys. Now, what's happened in Haiti? What the devil meant for bad, God's turned for good. February 12th, one month after the earthquake, was Mardi Gras. They've never canceled Mardi Gras in the history of Haiti. They canceled it. And they had three days of prayer and fasting. CNN didn't put this on TV. Three days of prayer and fasting across the whole country. In Port-au-Prince on January, or February 12th, over one million people were in the streets from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. praying and fasting. Now, I'm going to tell you something. What the devil's meant for bad, God can turn for good. Now, here's what I came to preach to you. Go to John 16 and I close. I'm done. So don't get nervous. What's that last scripture? Turn it uh, on the, yeah, John 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I came to preach one thing to you tonight. I want to tell somebody, by the Spirit of God, you're not alone and God has not abandoned you. Are you hearing me? Somebody here tonight, you're going through a crisis. You think about what's going on in Haiti. Crisis. Are you understanding me? I don't know Chinese or Japanese, but somebody told me the word for crisis in Chinese and Japanese, they use the same word not only for crisis, but for the word opportunity. Tonight, He said, be of good cheer. Tribulation, crisis comes, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Opportunity. He's going to turn your crisis into opportunity. Are you hearing me? He's going to turn your crisis into opportunity. You're not alone in what you're going through. You're not abandoned. He said, what will separate you from the love of God? Not one thing. He loves you tonight. Stay on your feet, if you will. I want you to bow your heads, if you will. Father God, thank you for your mercy tonight. Led by the Spirit. Lord, lead and guide us. Every day, every moment. Let us be in cooperation with you. The Bible says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish... Foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So tonight, there's only two kinds of people in this building. You're either saved or you're perishing. You're saved or you're perishing. I wonder what happens. Let me tell you, when I'm out by that pool and the ground began to shake, my friend and I, the pastor from Indiana, we began to pray in the Holy Ghost. The young man from who is now our good friend. I think you ought to be friend to sinners. Our young man that was a friend from Royal Caribbean. I'm going to tell you something. He began to cuss. Because out of your heart, 
Out of the, your heart, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. I'm going to tell you something. Tonight you're either here and you're saved or you're perishing. 35 seconds changed the world for 250,000 people or more. 35 seconds. Now I'm going to tell you something. I realize at that point how fragile life is. Are you understanding me? I'm not trying to scare people tonight. I'm just trying to be real. And the truth is we live in perilous times. 35 seconds could change your life. You can go from this world into the next. Very simple. But I wouldn't want to go out of this world on that perishing side. I want to go out saved. Some of you are here tonight and God's dealing with your heart. You know that you're not saved. You know that you're not where you're supposed to be with God. Are you understanding me? We're not uh, here saying that I'm going to be a a little strong with this. I'm not here to tell you that, you know, what you did 20 years ago is good for the day. You have to have an up-to-date relationship with Jesus Christ to be saved. I'm going to just be that straight. And I don't want to wait and take my chances. I want to be ready. How many are here tonight and say, Preacher, 35 seconds, if I had to go into eternity right now, I'd have to say, I'm on that perishing side. I'm not where I should be with God. My heart's not where it should be with God. And I need your prayer tonight. Would you lift up your hand in this building? Thank you. Thank you. Are there others tonight? I honor you for being honest. Nothing to be ashamed of. Anybody else tonight? Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else tonight? takes courage to lift your hand, but I'm going to tell you something. I, I, we're not asking you to do anything else right now. Just asking you, you, I need your prayer, preacher. I'm not where I should be with God. I'm on the perishing side. Only two kinds of people. See, sometimes we think, well, there's people in between. I want to tell you, there's only two. Saved or perishing. That's it. You're where you should be with God or you're not where you should be with God. Anybody else? Thank you. Come on, God's dealing with hearts right now. This isn't by the power of the, of the evangelist. This is by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's speaking to you. Mercy's flowing right out to you right now. If I can get our worship leader to come. I want you just to begin to play something appropriate. And, and after a while, you can just do what you want to do. But just play something that works good for you. But heads are bowed, eyes are still closed. And I want to ask tonight... Those of you that have raised your hand saying, Preacher, I'm on that perishing side. God's mercy is reaching out to me. I'm not where I should be with God and I need your prayer tonight. You want a fresh start, a new beginning. I'm going to ask you to come and stand here facing me. You say, why do I have to come? He said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. You deny me, I'll deny you. But I like what he said. Mercy words. He said, he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Come on, young man. Come on, come on, ma'am. Come on, others, others of you. Come on, will you come and stand here? You just say, I need a fresh start, a new beginning. We're not asking you to join a church, shake a preacher's hand, or know how to pray. You're just saying, I want to switch sides. I don't want to be on that perishing side anymore. I want to be saved. I want to know it. Would you come? Are there others tonight? Is there anyone else tonight? Is there anyone else? Come on. Maybe you've been in disobedience to God and you want to just get back in obedience. Get in this altar right now. Come on, we open it to you. This morning we waited. We're going to wait 35 seconds again. Come on, counting now. That's all it took. And people slipped into eternity. Over 250,000. I don't want you to slip into eternity not knowing you're ready to meet God. Is there anybody else? Somebody ought to begin to pray uh, quietly in the Spirit, interceding right now. Is there anybody else? I honor these that have come. It took a lot of guts, but we had a few other hands raised. Will you come quickly? Come on, quickly. Come on. Five seconds is all. And we're going to go on.
You need to come. You come as I'm talking right now. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, still no one looking around. I'm going to pray for these that have come, but I want to ask you in your seat. How many are here and you're experiencing that tribulation, you know, that Jesus talked about? Crisis. In this world, you're going to have crisis. Maybe you have a family crisis, a financial crisis. Maybe you have a health crisis. I don't know what it is. If you are in a crisis, you know what I'm talking about right now. He said, be of good cheer. The only way you're going to overcome is by Jesus. We sang earlier about by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, we are overcomers. If you're here and you're in a crisis, you got some things. I don't know what it is. We're not trying to get all in your business. But you want to turn it over, Lord. You need Him to help you. The only way you're going to overcome is by Jesus tonight. I open this altar to you. Will you come? I want to pray with you as well. Come on. You're right with God, but you're in a crisis. It can happen. I need the Lord to help me right now in my in what I'm going through. I need the Lord to help me with maybe you got children that are running wild. Maybe you have uh, issues at home. You got issues with your your bank account. I don't know what it is. He said, "Be of good cheer." That's hard, but when we turn it over to Him, we can turn it over to Him, knowing that we'll overcome. How many in your seat tonight? We talk about being led by the Spirit. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Holy Spirit will show you things to come. He will guide you. How many in this place tonight? You say, preacher, I need direction. I need guidance. I need the Lord to show me some things. I want you to join in behind these that are here. Will you come right now? I need the Holy Spirit to show me some things. I need some direction in my life. At times we all need a special direction. Why don't you just sing that right now? Let's sing it together. Come on. Come on, lift up the hands that hang down. surrender but you are willingly surrendering your life to God you're giving yourself to Him I want you to pray this prayer with me I want everybody to help me pray there's some people here that need to have a fresh start a new beginning they need to know they're not perishing anymore they need to know they're saved will you lift up your hands and everybody pray it uh, out loud with me believe what you pray in your heart all over this building This morning we were a little weak on our repeat, but let's pray a little bolder tonight. Come on, say this with me now. Dear God in heaven, I want to know that I am saved. I don't want to be perishing. I ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart. 
I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And His blood is cleansing me now from every sin, getting rid of the bad in my life. I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same Spirit is making me alive. I am alive to God. I am dead to sin. I'm never going to be the same. I boldly confess with my mouth. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not ashamed to live it. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Nothing else controls my life. Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior. I am saved. I am not perishing. I have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this chance, this opportunity. I want you just to thank Him right now. Come on, just thank Him. I love you, Lord Jesus.